bitch. Ah, you know what old Jack Burton always says at a time like this? When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. Bitch, the Chicago. Hello everyone, what is up? It is me, Ewan, and welcome to a new episode of the We Love Dad Movies podcast. We're doing something a little bit different this week. We're not focusing on a specific movie. We're actually going to be having a big old chat about westerns because I don't know if you guys know, but me, I'm a big westerns guy. I love westerns. Can't get enough of them. They're foundational to so many of my interests and like in terms of film I would be willing to say that the western is my favorite genre but here's the thing my co-host today who's been a regular on the podcast before he's not really a big westerns guy and I don't mean that in the sense that he doesn't like westerns he's just not seen many of them so last year we had a chat and then he's taken it upon himself to do a little westerns challenge for 2023 so I thought it would be fun for this episode to kind of dive into that westerns challenge have the talk with Mr. Dan Greamer. Hello, Dan. I'm back, and we're going off book. To talk about westerns, and, and the westerns that you have watched, the westerns that I have watched, why westerns are fucking awesome, and anyone who says they're boring is dumb. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, Dan, westerns, how, how do you feel about them? Westerns? I I like westerns. I, I haven't watched one I haven't liked yet. I, they're great. They're, yeah? What I'm realising is... Anyone who's listened to any of these episodes or follows me on Twitter or knows me in real life or, if I'm being honest, has met me once knows that I love action movies and I specifically love action movies that are, hey, look at this guy. He's the coolest guy ever. He's going to do some cool shit. And all those movies that I love that like star people like Stallone and Schwarzenegger and Chuck Norris, JCVD, Seagal, so much of the stuff from them I'm learning comes from these westerns from like the 50s and the 60s and it's it's so many of my I'm noticing it's so many of my favourite little parts of action movies done at their best it's, it's great I've, I've only watched a few so far so I've watched like I mean I've seen ones in the past so I've, I've seen various the odd one here and there more modern ones than than classics um, but I've seen a few kind of classic ones over the past few weeks, and I'm hoping to to kind of cram in. No, I don't want to sound like I'm going to cram them in because I don't want to feel like I'm watching them because I have to. But I want to watch as many as I can sort of take and still enjoy. And I'm 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 excited. I'm excited to keep going. Yeah, because you came to me and you were like you and you and I need a guy. I need a guy like, who knows westerns yeah. to tell me which westerns I should watch. So I I put you on a path that was similar to the one that I kind of took. So Yeah, I'm tracking down that path now. So my dad was a he was huge in the Westerns. And you know why? It's because his dad loved Westerns. So when my dad was growing up, John Wayne was everything to him. So when I was younger and dad had a Western on, it would usually be a John Wayne cavalry Western. Um and a lot of them are not great. A lot of the cavalry Westerns, they're kind of <laughs> generic. Like Wayne, for as much as he is like this figurehead of the genre and someone who, you know, turned in some absolutely killer and iconic performances, whether that be in The Searchers or The Man Who Shot the Beauty Valance or Rio Bravo, which I rewatched the other weekend. Uh, he also did a lot of boring stuff. And there is a lot of boring Westerns I mean, as, out there. I so, did a lot of so, actors. So, so, so when people are like, Westerns are boring, I kind of tend to think that, okay, well, maybe you've only had a bit of a limited experience of the genre or whatever. So there was a while when I was very young that I didn't really get westerns i like the aesthetics i like the cowboy stuff i like the idea you know of six shooters and lone gunmen and you know like 
duels, pistols at dawn, and stuff like that. Um, but a lot of the genre itself, it, it kind of went over my head. So when I was a bit older, um, and I kind of really like my big filmic obsession started with like getting into Tarantino. So I was that guy. I was that fourteen-year-old child that was obsessed with Pulp Fiction and thought it was the greatest yeah. thing ever. And you know, Pulp Fiction is still an amazing movie. I don't get why we shame people who say that it's a great movie. Um, but then when Django Unchained was coming out, so I would have been about fifteen, fifteen, yeah, fifteen around the time. I, yeah, out. maybe seventeen. I think I think it was about. I think I was twenty when Django Unchained came out. So it was twenty. It was twenty eleven or twenty twelve. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was twenty twelve. Yeah. But it was like, was it the end of twenty twelve or was it the, I think the it beginning? Might of... have been. I don't remember. I can't remember now either. But Django Unchained was coming out, and I I was hyping myself so much up for this movie that you know over the course of its production, I decided to go on a massive spaghetti western binge. So <laughs> I knew that it was going to be taking influences from there, and I kind of really dived into Leone's stuff, um, which remains today my favorite stuff in the genre i think i think leone revolutionized everything um and with the dollars trilogy which incorporates a fistful of dollars for a few dollars more the good the bad and the ugly um just note perfect filmmaking but my favorite one of the trilogy isn't the one that everyone goes for it's for a few dollars more starring lee van cleef and i was elated when um when you were going through those films and you were like, you know what, you would for a few dollars more. It's, I fucking love for a few dollars I, more. I felt weird with those. So where I started was I messaged. We've been talking about it for a while. We talked about it on the podcast. We've talked about it in person. We've about where I should start with lessons. And you were nice enough to send me like a huge list on Twitter of like, okay, here's where you start. Then try these. Then here's some for certain actors. And here's some modern ones. And I was like, great, excellent starting point. And then as I've sort of found actors I've liked, I've kind of added some more of them to my watch list and, and had a look through. You're already I, overtaking me for Bronson knowledge dude, in this genre, I, man. I just, <laughs> you don't Bronson's such an easy little divert, <laughs> diversion for me. But I, I went in and I was like, well, I'm obviously going to start with Leone. Is it Leone? Leone? I don't know. Leone, um, yeah, so Leone. And, and I'm, I, I thought I'm going to jump straight into his movies. So the first three I watched were the Dollars Trilogy. So I, Fistful of Dollars, which... I liked a lot. There was there was some really cool moments in it. I wasn't sort of as blown away by it as I thought I might be, but maybe I was overhyping the kind of first step in the journey. But I was I was sold from like minute five when Clint Eastwood just guns down three guys in in point five seconds, <laughs> and I was like that. That's immediately where I was like this. This immediately kind of brings in this really tough, quiet kind of drifter type guy which i guess so many of these movies from what i hear take on that same character archetype and it, it was i just kind of had my usual dumb reaction and stuff where i was like this is badass and yeah it, it i mean was, it's super cool <laughs> it's it's so cool and it, it it's really well shot the the music is is amazing in them By Inyo, maestro yeah. in your morricone King. yeah and it, it's just the there's i've never I've not seen many movies that utilize silence and tension quite in the way that those three movies did. Like I said, I, I, I really liked Fistful of Dollars, but for a few dollars more was where I was like, fuck. Like, yeah. I, I loved that movie so much. There were so many cool little moments that, that, again, came straight out of the action movies I love. Eastwood's great. It was kind of a, a a sort of 
not an introduction to Lee Van Cleef because I've seen movies that he's in before. I've seen mm-hmm. Escape from New York. I've seen a couple of other things he's shown up in. But this was my first kind of time where I noticed him because I kind of knew who he was and I knew that he was a big Western actor. And I, their, their kind of rapport together, their relationship together, their the, the journeys that the two characters go on weave in amazingly. And I was just, I was stunned by how good that film was. That film, to me, it's up there as, like, one of my favourite movies of all time. I really struggle to say which is definitely my favourite movie of all time. Some days it's Big Trouble in Little China, other days it's for a few dollars more. (laughs) Um, Good choices. But Lee Van Cleef gives my favourite performance of all time as Douglas Mortimer in that movie. He's fantastic Um, in it. He, I wrote a thing a while back and this is me plugging the the Patreon that I don't write nearly enough for. Um, but I wrote an article a while back about why I think Lee Van Cleef was a way better hero than he was a villain, because he was typecast as a villain before, um, for a few dollars more and even after, in a way. But it was really when he moved to Italy that he started getting given more heroic roles, but I don't think he, he got nearly enough the kind of attention that he deserved um and in in that role in in for a few dollars more he told like clint is amazing in it but it's not his movie it's lee van cleef's movie no. um, more was the heart of that movie absolutely and he's just he does everything so well so he's both the ruthless badass as he is the kind of scampy impish kind of like jokester um the bit where he in, is in the bar scoping out indigo indio's men and um, he walks up to Klaus Klinsky's character and lights his his match on the back on his on his hunchback, and then they have that great moment, and he just does it again, and it's one of the most amazingly badass things that I've ever seen. Um, and he he's just he he steals so many moments like that, like the the iconic moment where you know he's hunting down his first bounty target, and he unfurls his horse's like uh, <laughs> satchel, and like you see all the different Hold guns the and down, stuff, yeah. and then like you have the revolver with a little kind of rifle grip on it. Um, and he's just so cool like for as much as like you know like Manco and that character is the name of the man with no name in, in that particular movie because he only uses uh, one arm to really do violence with um, he, he he gets lots of cool moments too there's that great bit where he's in he fools everyone into thinking that he's in the barber shop and then he's got his clothes on there and they shoot the chair and then he yeah. swivels around and then you know kills him or whatever but there are just so many iconic moments that, that belong to Van Cleef in that movie. And the the final duel remains to me the the absolute pinnacle of, of the genre in my that, mind. That no, the music that was playing in, Shines, in Indio's yeah. um, watch was in my head for like two days after that because of that. It like stuck so clearly in my head after that scene. But it, it, it's, it's like you say, there's, there's so many like... The, the beauty of the film is that there's so many cool moments in there that you can go like oh this is so cool you laugh you cheer as you watch it like um there's there's some like really great lines that are really cool action hero lines and kind of lead the way to action hero lines that you're getting from like schwarzenegger and stuff klaus kinski coming up to to mortimer i texted you this line when he (laughs) asks him does he want to do the match again and he's like oh i usually smoke after i eat come back in 10 minutes yeah and there's there's one there's one where he says to to Manco to Clint Eastwood, um, it, "It's it's fourteen against something like it's fourteen against one. We could make it fourteen against two, but the other option is that it's fifteen against one because I won't be on your side." 
Yeah. I, I butchered that line, but he says something along no, those lines. And I was like, that's great. Like, no one's going to hit the same kind of gravelly cadence but as, it's, as Dan Cleave. It's a perfect kind of example of it has these cool moments that happen, but there's a real kind of it's kind of a really small scale but really large scale story at once like it involves this huge bank robbery and this gang of bandits but a lot of it is just yeah and a lot of it is just about these two men learning from each other taking on this gang and i mean do you know what i was gonna say spoilers but the movie came out nearly 60 years ago it's about mortimer avenging the death of his his sister and um apparently daughter in a in a dub somewhere i read, read that like the spanish dub or something it's his daughter oh that's peculiar yeah um, that was odd. but yeah that 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 entire emotional hook is brilliant you know it, it it's it's not like it's the, the thing the thing that always gets me is like how much how emotionally invested he is like like mortimer in that movie is introduced as a cold ruthless killing machine i compare it to like the t-800 in terminator like he, he's brought in and he's he's a ruth he's the zenith of the bouncy hunting profession yeah he's the but terminator is, walking into that bar yes but here here we have the one bounty that deeply moves him on an emotional level you know and it, it that when they have that final confrontation and india's about to kill him and then manka walks out with the watch times and the henry repeater I, I fucking cry every time because <laughs> you see like Van Cleef is like tearing up like he's he's giving that moment his all and like Mon- Morricone's score obviously elevates the scene plenty as well um, but that kind of intimacy in Leone's westerns I'll always go for that more than I will the sweeping epic stuff and that's not me saying that you know the good the bad the ugly isn't a good movie it's fucking incredible and i'm 100 percent with you and and once upon a time in the west as well like i think once upon a time in the west is objectively leone's best movie because i think what it does well is that it marries the the epic scope of the good the bad and the ugly but it takes the intimate emotional core for a few dollars more and it, it has the same instrumental motif as well with um the harmonica like you would have with the watch chimes in in for a few dollars but it has that kind of intimate that that back and forth and and building it and you know that trauma coming to a head and the duel at the end and um leone's just fucking great dude have it did you did you not to not to carry on but did did, did you watch um duck you sucker slash no so that's next yeah Yeah, yeah. so currently i've i've watched seven westerns i'll go through the other two uh, or three briefly because i know you haven't seen a couple of the ones that i've done but there's a reason for that Oh no! There's a reason I've watched them so quick, is what I mean. Um, so I've watched obviously the I started with the Dollars trilogy, um, and then I did a couple of movies later. Watch Once Upon a Time in the West, and next I do want to watch. Uh, I think the next one I plan to watch is Duck You Sucker, which I think is it also called like Once Upon a Time in the Revolution. It's known as yes. Like, there are that's supposed to be three, part of the trilogy there are, too, right? There are there are three titles. So yeah. there's there's Duck You Sucker, Once Upon a Time in the Revolution, and A Fistful of Dynamite yeah. because the studios had no clue how to, how to market it essentially it's so kind of a thematic people, trilogy as well isn't yeah it? people people yeah. tend to put it in, along with once upon a time in the west and once upon a time in america as leone's kind of big sweeping historical statements about you know american history and north american history and one and, of the stuff like that one of the things i was surprised by is that leone didn't direct that many movies I was reading about this. To be fair, to be fair to you, I was reading about this yesterday as well, and I couldn't believe how great 
some of the unrealized projects he had sounded. Yeah. And there was um there was one that he wanted to get financed by the Soviet Union called like like about the Battle of Leningrad, which sounded like the coolest thing ever, and I'm so annoyed he didn't he didn't get it made. Right on your street. It would have been. But it was when you said like start with these Leone movies, I went, Okay. I, I knew he'd done that trilogy, I knew he'd done Once Upon a Time in the West, but I was like, Oh, I'll 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 get his name up on like Wikipedia and Letterboxd and that and I'll just see what he's done and I'll start with a bunch of his. I was like, Man, I'm gonna have a bunch of Westerns to watch. And I was like, No, he's directed like five of them. Like there's not that many. And then he did maybe a couple other films, I think. Unless I'm off base and he did a bunch before the Westerns, but um He did a few historical dramas before Yeah, the, and, and Once um, Upon a Time in America isn't a Western, is it? No, that's a weird movie as well. Like, I probably need to give that one another shake because when I wa- I've tried watching it two times now. The first time I gave up, and then the second time I did watch it all the way through, but it didn't really, it didn't really gel with me what they were trying to achieve with that one, no. which is weird because like I love Leone. Like Leone is like just incredible, um, but I feel like his his western stuff is just it it, it resonates with me much more. It's great. It, it, it's I. The good, the bad, and the ugly, I think, was the one that I watched that I wasn't as in love with as everybody else seemed to be. I think it's great. Don't get me wrong. Eli Wallach is amazing in that movie. He's so good in it. And uh, he literally didn't realize that it's part of the intro to this podcast. Um, when I saw that line, I was like the meme of Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, it's great, I think. It was like you said. I think I, I'm definitely more drawn to the personal, smaller scale stories. I think the character stuff is is great in in um, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. But I think the sprawling kind of uh, part of it, where it introduces the civil war at the time, and the, 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 there's a lot of characters in it. I was I was enjoying it, but I wasn't quite as as hooked as I was with for a few dollars more, and that's that's saying more than anything how good i thought for a few dollars more was like i was stunned by how good i thought that film was um and then i think once upon a time in the west does a really good blend of both it 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 feels really small scale like it really feels like it's mostly about four characters you've got charles bronson as harmonica you've got uh jason jason robards whose performance I, I loved in Once Upon a Time in the West. He's my he's my favourite part of that movie. And as I've mentioned a lot before, I like Charles Bronson a lot. So if you're outshining him, for me, <laughs> I don't do him very well. And then I, I uh, Henry Fonda's character, whose name I forget. and um, Just incredible. He's incredible in that yeah, movie. And like another one where he was cast against type. Like Leone did that, like he made Van Cleef a hero and he made Fonda one of the greatest cinematic villains ever. Like, it, it, he just had an eye for casting that was so impressive. Um, and he wanted he's, Eastwood he's so, for that, right? For, not for I that part, for Bronson's part. I can't remember now. I know he wanted Bronson for a part in, in Ugly. I forget which one. Yeah, I um, believe East, Clint Eastwood turned down the role of harmonica, if I, I was reading, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Eastwood's great in those movies, but I do think Bronson's a better fit to that character in that Absolutely. Film. Yeah, I don't think this would have. I think if you'd done, if if you'd had Eastwood return, people would have thought it was another man with no name story, which I don't yeah. think you want that one to be at all because Harmonica is such a different presence. A different Absolutely, and presence. I I really love how that film kind of starts as a as a story that feels more sprawling and it introduces his character, and then introduces uh, is it is it is it said McBain 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. yeah I, I was worried I was just thinking about Rainier Wolfcastle. Mendonca! <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then it introduces kind of Cheyenne and, and, um, and Henry Fonda's character and um, they all just... Like, the only perfectly weaves four stories into one. And in a lot of films, when you see three characters or four characters where their stories start and then they come together into one by the end in a lot of films like that like a character gets kind of left out by the end of the movie and doesn't get as weaved into that tale as perfectly and in this it, it's seamless like they, they no one's left with with nothing to do they've all got a part to play and they all get to shine and, and get to inter- have interactions with each other. Every, every combination of characters gets their moment with each other. Yeah, it's, totally. it's great. Uh, I, I think we. That, but... Well, no, no, it's no. It's, 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 the westerns are great. This is the westerns are great podcast. Um, but this is this is good though because it, it allows me a nice natural segue in here because from what you've watched so far, you you've you've covered a few films that I haven't watched. One that I do really want to watch, which I haven't gotten around to yet um but you need you need to explain um the bronson love i feel and i and i and how your take on bronson and westerns uh as opposed to what you've seen them in and other stuff i'd be really curious to, to so, hear and yeah and what what like what is like we all have our we all have our guys right we all have our guys all, <laughs> like i love lee van cleef i love kurt russell you know i love those guys those are my guys i don't think they're my guys you're a big bronson guy so, I want to know where that where that oh and Tommy Jones I forgot that I got also claimed weirdly Jones, I need only, to know why you're a big Bronson guy weirdly only from like a couple of years ago so when we were in lockdown I think I've said this before on another episode I kind of really got into two things and the first thing was um, kind of Hong Kong action movies and uh, the second thing was like these seventies kind of action thrillers and it it came from I apologize you and I'm going to shout out another podcast on your podcast. <laughs> it's um, loud. So I listened to a podcast called uh, Action Boys, which is a Patreon podcast. Um, it's basically three comedians who who watch a different action movie every week and and spend quite a long time talking about each one. And it's very much a comedy podcast that doesn't always go super deep, but um, they they covered um, Death Wish two. They went straight into Death Wish two. I've never so, seen that one. I've only seen the first Death Wish. I think I think you've seen the least fun one. It, it Maybe the best made one, but it's the least fun. And it, it so it, it's they cover Death Wish two, and I'm the kind of guy that I can't just watch a sequel to a film before I've seen the original. In most cases, so I bought the box set for for all five Death Wish movies. Still Brilliant. haven't seen four and five. So I watched the first one, and I was like, I, I thought it was really good. Uh, I thought it was dark. The thing with that film is the first three Death Wish movies, as well as another one that is a Western that I'll mention in a bit, were directed by Michael Winner. Who we who... may know from the... Um, the eShort the... adverts. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot gonna... get that out of my head every time. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go out. It's going to go over everyone. Because like, me growing up, listening to this guy saying it's only a commercial... That was his catchphrase because American listeners, we had did... Michael Winner did a lot of adverts in the early 2000s for insurance. And then it was always, his whole catchphrase was, "It's only a commercial." And then growing up and learning that he was actually this 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 great yeah. violent action movie director and stuff like that's it's a great arc. The thing you've got to take me. with with winners movies though, and he he did quite a few with Bronson. Is he he gets great stuff out of Bronson? He directs really good action and he's good at atmosphere. Not so great when it comes to women. Oh no, no, totally not. I mean, uh, politically, uh, those movies a lot are of very violence against yeah. women. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, and and it's it's shown a little too much in in uh, some of them. So I would say if you if you find stuff like that tough to watch, these aren't going to be the movies for you necessarily. Or you can skip past certain like certain scenes, just like one scene a movie. But so I watched Death Wish and I thought it was good, but Death Wish is kind of more of a a serious thriller. It's not an action movie. It, there's no. a couple of little shootouts here, but it's a it's a it's a vigilante thriller. Vigilante movie, yeah. Yeah, and and I then watched the second one. I watched the third one, um, and they go more action heavy. And I was like, Bronson's so great at looking so calm and cool as he's just walking around with a gun shooting people. He looks like for the entirety of career that he's seventy five years old. But any time you see him with a shirt off, you're like, this guy's Jack. And yes. I just, I just think he's got this certain presence that I almost can't describe that I, I find so fascinating to watch. He's got it. He's watch. got the stuff. He's, he's got, got the, descri- the stuff. You're describing the stuff there. <laughs> so I, so I, when I, when I was in kind of when it, again when we were in lockdown, I, I kind of watched those three Deathwish movies, and I just went on a Bronson kick, and I was just watching stuff like, um, uh, I watched The Mechanic, um, Mr. Majestic, well, which is fantastic. More- Mechanic is one of my dad's uh, favorites. Mechanic's great. <laughs> uh, Mr. Majestic, The Stone Killer, uh, St. Ives, uh, Breakout, which I've mentioned on this podcast before, which has that insane helicopter death. Um, <laughs> and it, I kind of caught a few of his 80s things. Um, he did a movie called Assassination that I watched last year. Um, but I'd never really seen any of his westerns because westerns was just this genre that I'd kind of always avoided. And um, so when I said to you that I was going to go into some lessons, I was like, there's going to be plenty of Bronson because I I find the man fascinating. So kind of as I've been going through the Leone Westerns, I've just been like ducking in and out on the occasional Bronson <laughs> Western. Um, <laughs> like a little nibble. A little... Yeah, just a little, little, little Bronson <laughs> hit. And then, so I, I watched, I mean, I might as well just go into the other three Westerns that I've watched. Yeah, do it. The seven. So I've seen the four Leone Westerns. Um, after I did the Dollars trilogy, before I watched Once Upon a Time in the West, I watched a movie called Breakheart Pass, um, which I'd seen a couple of people on Twitter recommend. Um, a guy who I'm mutuals with, uh, Billy Jarrett, was watching a bunch of um, bunch of uh, Bronson movies at one point uh, late last year, and he he recommended that one and a couple of others that I haven't quite got to yet. And it, I really liked that uh, to watch at that point because I'd watched these kind of three classic westerns, and Breakheart Pass is a little bit different. And it's also one that I don't really hear people talk about much outside of recently on Twitter. Like, I want to watch classics and I want to watch ones that people don't talk about as much. And it's kind of a a really cool little murder mystery set on a train. It's like a Western murder on the Orient Express with Mm -hmm. with Bronson as this kind of outlaw doctor who's basically there as a prisoner. So he's basically arrested, put onto this train, and people start getting killed on this train and he kind of ends up being the guy trying to figure out what's going on and more motives are revealed from the killers and from Bronson himself. Um, it's not particularly action heavy until the end. It kind of morphs into a, a, an action movie at the, at the third act, but I, I really enjoyed it. And um, it was, it was just a nice little different kind of take on a Western, which I'd, which I watched after the, the, the three Leone ones. Um, I watched one, which you got mad at me for watching without you. I'm so uh, annoyed, man. <laughs> this has been in my watch list for, ages and it's not it's my own fault but i it's it's gotta be a rental hasn't it you can't i read it yeah so so we're talking about uh, a movie called red sun um which the the uh dumb action movie guy part of my brain was just sold by the fact that that movie is a cowboy and a samurai team up well i mean we're both appreciators of shanghai noon 
and we we, we love of the course. east the east meets west, east uh, meets west. western um but yeah no that one like as soon as i found, I, found, I found out about that one it's like oh toshiro mifune did a western and it's oh directed um it's directed by the director of, of the first couple of james bond movies i know he did dr no and a couple others so it's a guy called oh. uh, i'm admittedly not as familiar with this director but terence young who i know at least did dr no and i'm pretty sure did a couple of other i'm gonna sound like i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about um did a couple <laughs> of other uh, bond movies i believe um and it's got Ursula Andress in it from from Doctor No, um, mm. and it's it it's it was a great little easy watch one night because it, it, it's a really fun, uh, quite action heavy movie, um, and it's basically that that kind of goes into the thing I liked about for a few dollars more where it's a similar, quite small scale story, so it, it's Bronson is a. a, a basically a kind of member or leader of a gang of bandits who are, are going to rob a train and uh, there's a, a Japanese uh, samurai on this train and he his his sword is, uh, or a very um, important sword is stolen by these bandits who also betray Charles Bronson and try and kill him and, and steal his money. So the two of them basically team up to track down this sword so the samurai basically says, I have seven days to track down the sword or I'm going to commit harikiri, which is suicide. Yeah, suicide, yeah. And it just turns into this kind of almost Western buddy road movie as they try to track down um, Bronson's old gang. And it, it's really fun. The two of them, it, it's, it's Bronson and Toshiro Mifune. And um, the, the two of them are so, so good together. Well, it, it's... you know, you just made me jealous enough, man. <laughs> yeah, no, you've got to watch it. You you have absolutely got to watch it. it. It'll be on my watch list. It, you know what? I might watch it this week as a little treat because yeah, I've got it's, a lot of free time coming up. So it's a great one, I think, if you want a western that's an easy watch um, mm-hmm. and is is closer to an action movie in nature. I think it's a good one to go for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I I watched uh, just a couple of days ago. Um, I watched a uh, movie called uh, Chateau's Land. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is also directed by Michael Winner, which is basically Bronson playing a uh, half Apache uh, man who, uh, at the very opening of the film, this isn't really a spoiler, it's two minutes in, kills a racist sheriff who, who tries to kick him out of a bar. And I love that. And a group of Confederate, uh, like ex-Confederate soldiers basically get together to chase Chato down and kill him for what he's done. And the, the it's a really fascinating different take because... That the movie so cool. So the movie basically mostly follows this posse of of soldiers that are chasing Chato. Bronson's not really in it as much as you would think, and um, it basically I am going to go a little spoilery here, but you kind of not too much. Um, they basically, as part of revenge against Chato, against Bronson's character, uh, they they assault his wife. Uh, which again comes into Michael Winner's unfortunate Michael Winner seeming dislike of women, um, and it basically turns into this like third act that Bronson just goes like predator on this posse of like ex soldiers, and it's just like picking them off one by one, and it's 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 really so, fun. This is an interesting thing that I've got to bring out the obligatory historical and political context in the episode of Wheel of Death yes. movies on westerns. Um, so it. I've not seen Shadow's Land. Um, but from what you're describing there, I mean, what was that? Early 70s? 71? Like 72, like I believe. 71, 72. So one of the things that you'll notice a lot with 60s and 70s westerns is that 
you know, maybe not intentionally intended that way in a great many ways, but quite a few of them were. A lot of them are allegories for Vietnam. And oh, so this what one massively have, is. So, yeah, so when you, before that era, a lot of cavalry westerns and stuff would be about, like, you know, Texas Rangers charging over the border into Mexico to get their man and to hell with, with the Mexican government and army and authorities and stuff. Or, you know, you'd basically have um, America playing... Uh, world police in its own quote-unquote backyard um and then what you have what you what you end up getting is you get all these great movies in the 60s and 70s that reckon with that idea of uh of an unjust war and a war that's been sold to the public along the lines of manifest destiny in a way uh and and basically showing the the intended co- the, the 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 consequences of that so sam peckinpah did um a film called major dundee in the 60s which I watched the first time the other year, which just added it to my watch list. If you're familiar with Peckinpah's work, (laughs) I'd really like Peckinpah, such an interesting filmmaker, like kind of like, you'll know him from the wild bunch, the guy who, along with, you know, a few of the filmmakers really introduced a new level of violence on screen um, with, with his, with his movies. And Major Dundee is a great example of kind of like, it it was one of those that was, that was butchered um, by producers, you know, Peckinpah is notoriously difficult to work with. And there's a lot of his works, kind of got chopped up after the fact due to studio differences and, and clashes. But Major Dundee, it kind of, it's it set during the the Civil War and Dundee, played by Charlton Heston, has to recruit uh, his old army buddy, um, uh, Richard Harris plays him, um, who is now fighting for the, con- for the Confederates. And he ends up getting this band of soldiers together to hunt a Native American um, group that has been, you know, waging war against... Uh, both armies and he ends up chasing them all the way into Mexico which at the time had been invaded by France so you have this kind of spillover border conflict which is kind of like analogous to Vietnam and Cambodia and the unintended consequences coming through that and there are so many great movies, I've, I've, got, I've, I've really gone in on this but there was another one that I watched last year which instantly showed up into my all time favourites bracket which was The Professionals so I was on a big Lee Marvin kick last year uh, and The Professionals came up and it's like people really, really like the Magnificent Seven. I think that The Professionals is a better movie because it, it, it Professionals fulfills... is one of the first you recommended yes. to me, I believe, as well. Yeah, it? yeah. So The Professionals is like um, it's another team up Western movie. Um, so you have uh, it's like Lee Marvin, Burt Lancaster, Robert Ryan, who is just one of the greatest actors ever bloody love robert ryan plays a lot of villains in westerns as well if you ever watch bad day at black rock that's kind of like a neo-ish western it's set after world war ii brilliant movie um but they all um i'm, I'm forgetting someone as well um who am i who am i forgetting Da-da-da-da-da. there's another person involved in this movie who is super fucking cool because he wields a bow and arrow <laughs> and it's like a oh, fucking precursor to um to rambo like he well, so this dynamite. is this is what i was going to say because you were talking about a lot of them being an allegory for Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Chateau's Land, the, the the main thing you say about it is it feels like First Blood before First Blood. Mm-hmm. It's yes. very First Blood-esque in, in that sense of... It's uh, Woody Strode. Of course it's Woody Strode. That's who I was thinking of. Sorry. But yes, go on. No, go ahead. I'm, carry on. I like that. I'm enjoying listening to this bit. But yeah, like it, it's, it's great because they basically get hired by this rich American tycoon to go and rescue his wife who has been kidnapped by... Um, a revolutionary um, um, who, and the twist is so all the so 
Marvin and Lancaster's characters, they had helped in the Mexican Revolution, so overthrow the kind of tyrannical Mexican dictatorship during the days of Pancho Villa and stuff. Um, and now they're kind of like mercenaries. So they basically get paid to hunt their own comrade down. And lo and behold, they discover, a, you know, a deception. And it's a really great, interesting commentary on America, the revolutionary America, and the idea of America as being a liberator, kind of like maybe, you know, historically, if you think like World War II, America the liberator, and then finding itself in that post-war space as an oppressor. And it's it's so fascinating. I, I, this is why I love Westerners so much, because not only do they kind of, you know, just for me, the absolute pinnacle of filmmaking in so many different ways, in both a filmic sense and in a kind of narrative sense they just the social commentary with those movies in the 60s and 70s like i i just find it so absorbing i'm already kind of learning that it's a genre that you can blend in so easily with so many other genres well, that's like, well, that's the thing that with romances that are horrors that are action it's well yeah well i mean comedy, um, bad, bad bad day at black rock is kind of like a almost like a noir western and and same with um treasure of the sierra madre which is incredible. I'd definitely recommend you watch that as well. Um, and yeah, a lot of these Westerns as well, like they go beyond that typical peak golden age, post-Civil War, 1865 to 18, early 1890s period. Some of the best ones go into the early 19th, uh, early 20th century, which yeah. I find really interesting. The Professionals is a good example of that, as is The Wild Bunch. But um, yeah, I just, I, I love those movies. And those are... We've kind of only, and, and you know, the most, the, the best thing about this chat as well is that we've only, we've covered like a tiny percentile of the evolution of that genre. So we've gone from spaghetti westerns to talking about kind of like those, the new age from Peck and Purr and, 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 and that in the 60s and 70s. We haven't even talked about like the golden age of the genre in the 50s and 40s. I haven't with, even got like, that yet. You know, <laughs> like, like, but I think this is the be- I think this is the way to do it. And I, I people might disagree with me. Um, but I found myself after watching Spaghetti Westerns and some more modern Westerns. So like Unforgiven um, is a great example. I love that movie. Um, and Pale Rider as well, which I'm so excited for you to see. On my uh, list. Kind of, kind of getting acquainted with those ones. And then I, it gave me a better appreciation for going, for when I did go back and do the older ones. So like The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, The Searchers, um, Rio Bravo, which again I talked about. Uh, earlier on which is one i rewatched the other, the other day and rio bravo was a movie i can guarantee you if i'd watched that 12 years ago i would have been bored i would have been bored um and that's because i would have been an idiot but now that i've kind of come into it again and you know I, well i say come into it again i watched it like years ago and loved it and it's such a beautiful it's a beautiful movie like it's such a it's an ultimate it's like i think Tar- tarantino called it the ultimate hangout movie and john carpenter as well is my favorite filmmaker he he loves howard hawks movies and rio bravo i think was like on his sight and sound poll list the other month but yeah rio bravo watch it because you get to watch oh it's it, dean it martin also one of the first recommendations you gave me so you get to see dean was. martin singing and that that scene always like <laughs> makes me well up because it's just he, he had a beautiful voice him and ricky nelson he it's did he did class it's 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 crazy because it's it, I I've watched these over the period of January I've watched these seven movies that I've talked about I've seen a few more modern ones in the past so like I've seen both of Tarantino's westerns Django and, and Django Unchained and Hateful Eight I've seen a couple of things like um, uh, the James Mangold's Three Tenths of Humor great uh, movie you should watch the original yeah very good movie um, which I want to watch again 
uh, Tombstone, which I think is. Oh really my good. god! Yes, I can't. Um, Tombstone. Tombstone is actually a great entry point western. I yeah, think. it was. It was one of the the kind of first times I really clocked it. Um, have you I, seen, seen not to, not to interrupt again. Scruggs, a couple of have you Go seen on. The Quick and the Dead? Yeah, haven't on my watch list. So you um, will love that. I love movie. me some rain. That was that was lambasted at release. You know, it was lambasted at release because people thought that it was overly cliched and formulaic, but not realizing that it was Sam Raimi basically taking the spaghetti western to the extreme. So it has all those classic Raimi like zooms and, yeah. and, and swerves and stuff, and it's super stylized. The, Keith the David, thing... Lance Henriksen, fucking Gene yeah. Hackman you, being you, the go. You had like... me in it, Keith David. Yeah, and and I... Russell Crowe and Sharon Stone at peak hotness. It's, it's I think one of the time. biggest kind of things that people don't understand in the modern day about movies that makes me sound really fucking snotty, which I don't. No, mean no, to. honestly, mate, but... I'm embracing it at this point. I've. <laughs> I've, I've come into this podcast with love, but also resentment. And the amount of times I've been told, eh, Westerns are boring. It's like, what you There's owe a, a everything you love about movies to Westerns. Yeah. Westerns This is what are, I'm learning, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it's... it's the, the thing I was going to say is, like, sometimes a, a formulaic story or a formulaic movie is fine when it's done by an excellent director. Mm-hmm. Like... There's superhero movies that, like, just look at Raimi as an example. His Spider-Man movies are, two of them at least, are great. I, I kind of like Spider-Man 3, even, I'm not going to lie. I mean, that's but... a perfectly valid opinion. <laughs> I, I would not I would not dispute that. I, mean, I need to rewatch that. I haven't seen it in years, so maybe I'll hate it now. But <laughs> Spider-Man 2 is, is a beloved superhero movie. Uh, and, yeah, superhero movies weren't as big a thing as them, so obviously they're more formulated now than they used to be. But he made that, and he can make stuff like Quick and the Dead or, or Drag Me to Hell that follow a pretty standard formula that we all know, but he's fucking Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. if you're doubting that man's ability to make a film, what are we doing here? Exactly. What are we I, doing I feel here? the same about John Woo or James Cameron or people like that. John Woo's had a couple of misfires, but I can't picture a world where I'm not excited for another fucking movie that's made by John Woo. I am... Um... There's there, there are a few of his. I'm going to go off a complete tangent here, so I won't go over it. I need to talk to you about this movie once I'm done. But I, Wind Talkers, Wind Takers, Wind Talkers, the, the one, yeah. yeah, the one with Cage. That's Nick, Nick Cage. Oh, which movie? Yeah, am I, I think of? you might be thinking of Tears of the Sun. I'm thinking I of think. Tears of the Sun. Yeah, yeah. No, Wind Talkers, great movie. Not a lot of people liked it. Um, but yeah, I need I need to know, Dan. Um, what? Which westerns have you got coming up next? Is it? And and and. Yeah, which westerns have you got coming up next? So, what are you what are you most excited to see, and how do you think you're tackling it for the rest of the year? So, this is the way I'm going. I'm just I'm just bringing up my my letterbox watch list, which has a lot of non westerns on it, but a lot of westerns <laughs> too. So, I think I, I'm definitely doing Duck You Sucker next because I want to just completionist uh, Leone, mm-hmm. and then I've kind of I've got a bunch lined up, but what I kind of want to do is. I, this is kind of a way I approach movies a lot, like especially action movies. Is I just want to start by maybe going through some actors that I like a lot, and then going into learning about some more directors. So I've kind of really got like um, my watch list is basically just made up of, of recommendations from you. So you recommended a, a bunch of of John Wayne movies along with the the, the Leone ones. So I have um, on here the Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Um, Rio Bravo, as you just mentioned, um, I've added True Grit and and uh, 
being a completionist, the sequel, Rooster Cogburn on there. As well as the Coen <laughs> yeah, Brothers True Grit, which I haven't Bruce, seen. Rooster Cogburn isn't a great time. But if you, if, if, if you like the Duke, then maybe you will like it. <laughs> and then um, there was a couple of these you recommended to me that I had on, which are all ones. Uh, Stagecoach and The Searchers. The Searchers um, is what many would consider to be the finest Western ever made. Yeah, so, so that's John Wayne as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of a lot of my watch list has been some of the actors that I either loved already or have kind of felt drawn to over mm-hmm. the course of this. So immediately after watching the second and third movies in the Dollars trilogy, I through Amazon Prime just found a bunch of Lee Van Cleef westerns. Hell yeah! Which oh my god, which ones? Um, so I two of them. Uh, so uh, I don't know if you've seen a movie called Sabata. Yes, yes, I um, have seen which Sabata. Described Lee Van Cleef's character as the man with gunsight eyes, and I was like, "Holy fuck, I'm in!" <laughs> and then there a... was Adios Sabata and Return of Sabata. Adios Sabato, which stars Yul Brynner. Mm-hmm. And what I find really fascinating is that I read that Yul Brynner took over because um, Lee Van Cleef couldn't do Adios Sabata because he was filming a Magnificent Seven movie where he was replacing Yul Brynner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um, and if you if you've got if you've got like Van Cleef spaghetti westerns on there, one I'd recommend is The Big Gun Down. Yes, I did it today. Yeah. So. Um, I then added today um, a few more of his. So uh, the big gun down. Um, I added on uh, uh, one called Day of Anger, and I loved this title. Mm-hmm. Death rides a horse. These might death stop, rides a horse. I thought, oh my no. god! Yes, death rides a horse. <laughs> Hell yeah! So these were just me going. I want to watch more Van Cleef. Like I'm in on more Van Cleef. Um, I have uh, a bunch of Clint Eastwood westerns on here. Um, so basically, all the ones he's known for. So, Unforgiven, which from your recommendation, I'm going to save towards the end of my Eastwood run. Unforgiven is is a great. I can't describe it as a great after dinner sweet because it's not sweet. But after you've it's had all the, you, after you've gone through all the different courses of Clint Eastwood, it is the perfect cap to the meal. It is um, one of the most devastating pieces of cinema ever. And not for the reasons a lot of people think it is. Um, it kind of gets touted as like this unique anti-Western example of kind of um, dispelling the myths and legends of the genre. It's really more about Clint Eastwood reckoning with his own filmic legacy as yeah, as, as as the man with no name and, and and other Western characters. And it's it's beautiful. And Gene Hackman, oh my god, man, he is incredible in it. So that's I that's a big one. I kind of want to save to once, I, like I say, once I watched a bunch of Clint's movies. And I spoke to my friend um, Hog, as we call him. So that's his surname. But that's what we call him. He, <laughs> he might listen to this because he he's a big Westerns guy, and he said the same about Unforgiven, and was kind of equally as excited as as you about me doing this he said the same about unforgiven um so i got a few other eastwood ones so i got um a few that i saw around that i've got on blu-ray and i've seen on prime and stuff coogan's bluff hang em high outlaw josie wales oh, josie uh, wales oh, two mules for yes. sister sarah joe kid um a few of them uh there's a few more bronson westerns in there <sighs> wait of course have you got have you got have you got pale rider in there uh yeah pale rider says somewhere i think it's i think that was like the first Eastwood one I added. I think that's why I haven't done Yes. Yeah, um, Pale Rider, mate. Pale Rider. Pale Rider. <laughs> I <great>. have <laughs> one that is kind of 
sounds westerny but is more my kind of thing which i added before i was going on this western kit <laughs> which is uh millionaires express which is a a sammo hung movie which is mm. is very much my shit um i think it was very much his take on a western i, I this was where it turns out i'm wrong but from what i've seen of i'm gonna movie, add it to my list <laughs> i um so i did a few bronson ones as well i added uh uh, uh the white buffalo and um uh, a couple of us on there. What other Bronson ones are on here? Uh, there was a couple of others. I can't find them. Um, Is it, yeah, there'll be there'll be more. Yeah, in there. and then uh, I want to watch the Magnificent Seven movies. I was going to say, I was about to say Magnificent Seven. Of course, so he's all in four, that one. yeah, all four of them are on there. Um, he is in that one, yeah. And uh, yes, I the. The thing with that one is it's it's unlearned. It's like a loose remake of Kurosawa's Seven Samurai. Yeah, it's, which I haven't um, seen, so I want to watch that first. It doesn't have a patch on Seven Samurai. I think it is good, um, and it definitely is worth watching. But I just think the pro- I think the professional stuffs that movie in 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 the in the gym locker and then takes its lunch money. Like I think <laughs> it's such more effective as a piece of cinema. But it you know like the the cast of Magnificent Seven is incredible. And honestly, I'd be um. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on the remake as well because I've seen it. Ant- I, I do like. It. Oh, you have? Yeah. Oh, you seen the remake? I saw it okay, in the well, cinema. Yeah, I'm a, yeah. I'm I like that Denzel. one. I'm not missing Denzel. Vincent D'Onofrio is amazing I, in that. I, and I, honestly, I, like, I've not, sure I've not even shared this opinion on the on the podcast. But I think Antoine Fuqua might be the dad movie king. I'm a, I'm I, a I, Fuqua apologist. If I, we're not talking about Infinite. Well, I I think that he's the dad movie king. I think you put him and Denzel together on a project, any dad will be satisfied. And a, 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 a Fuqua movie that I think people forget is a Fuqua movie, which kick-started... It didn't kick-start, actually. He was well into it, but it uh, started a franchise for one of our current dad movie heroes. Um, he did Olympus Has Fallen. Oh, God, he did as well. Yeah, he started, like, the most middle-of-the-road action franchise going, which I will... Like, that's a franchise where I've seen all three movies, haven't really loved any of them, but will be very excited for another one to come out. <laughs> Plane has fallen. Oh, you and I both ever see a plane tomorrow. I can't wait. I know. He's, we are. But Ger- Gerard Butler is up there with Liam Neeson for like, I will always be excited for the next action movie they put out. Despite, and this is the thing, Gerard Butler is not having diminishing returns. Neeson is. <laughs> but I'm still excited every time he puts one out. We um, should probably do a Neeson at one point because yes. I, I don't care for any of the Taken movies. However... During during Neeson, during Neeson's action <laughs> renaissance, uh, Nonstop is one that I really really enjoyed. So if, have you seen the Commuter? What? No, I haven't. But that's oh, something that quite Hitchcocky. Rules. It's I mean it's Nonstop. Hitch- so it's yeah. the same director as Nonstop. It's a similar uh, vibe. Okay. Both movies are basically Liam Neeson on a moving vehicle solving a mystery with his fists. Um, the Commuter is great. It's it, it's I I think it's a really underrated movie from the last mm. few years, and it's got a excellent cast so it's got it's it's neeson it's patrick wilson vera farmiga florence Pugh is in it um jonathan banks is in it oh um, hell yeah yeah it's 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 great i i will always fight the corner of i i'm sad that that director uh whose name is escaping me has gone on to just make a bunch of kind of bad movies with the rock because his neeson stuff was great um he did unknown run all night um non-stop the commuter um and then a couple of uh, oh yeah, yeah. He, he was making great stuff with neeson that, that was when i was right in my height of loving neeson's action movies 
but this isn't the Liam Neeson podcast. So it's not, but we will be we will be getting to all there, these things. That'll be coming. I am, as we said before we started recording, Dan. I'm making a list. There is a list. It has different things on. I'm going <laughs> through it. I'm not doing the the Santa Claus. He's checking it twice thing. I'm just. I've got a list. It might be checked periodically, more than once. There's no copyright infringement yeah, yeah. going here. <laughs> um, and then the the final few movies I've got on are some a few modern westerns that I want to catch. I've been sort of stealing some from your list of westerns that you love. Oh, this is this is the perfect place. Why why bother going searching in the badlands <laughs> where you can drink from the well? <laughs> so I've I've got um, a few kind of more modern ones that I want to watch. Um, uh, Slow West, which both you and oh, yes. uh, my friend Hog mentioned um, that that they love. Um, Hostiles with uh, Christian Bale. It's a, um, that's a controversial one. I like that one, but I know a lot of people didn't. Oh, people um, don't. Yeah, no, it uh, it's got all the subtlety of no subtlety. No, um, but I think I think it's well crafted. I, I do like that one. Uh, have you got Open Range on there? Yes. So that was one of the ones you recommended to me. So I got Open Range, um, Hostiles. That I've got um, uh, the Harder They Fall, which came out a couple of years ago. Yes, I think I watched that. Which I wanted to watch when it came out and looked like a fun time, and just never got around to. Uh, the Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. Oh, mate, seen that beautiful. One. beautiful. And um, uh, one who I've seen all the other movies from this director, uh, Bone Tomahawk, which I haven't seen before. <sighs> God, dude. So I've seen... That movie. It's oh, brutal. man. Have you oh, seen that director's man. other movies? No, I haven't. And so... to be honest, mate, the, there, is, there is a scene in Bone Tomahawk, and like this might be, you know, I, I might be but a babe in, in it for... for having experienced like like violent content in films i probably haven't seen as much as a lot of other people there is a scene in bone tomahawk that is is the most repulsive thing yeah, this i've is, ever seen and it, it knocked me sick this I is a staple sick. so the director is a guy called s craig zala from things i hear this is purely hearsay and allegedly stuff i don't know if any of this is a fact i don't know if he's a great guy by the sounds of it and he may mm-hmm. have dodgy politics and you kind of his movies have got that kind of conservative 70s vibe to them very grindhouse kind of stuff but he made he made bone tomahawk and two other movies which was brawl in cellbot 99 which oh, i recommend i thought was fantastic has one of the most brutal violent moments i have ever witnessed in a film just like you said it's bone tomahawk which is basically um vin vince vaughn um oh, not him. stepping on it he's fantastic in it it's a very serious performance from Vince Vaughn. Um, he basically is fighting a guy at the end, and he stamps his head down on this guy's. Uh, he stamps his foot down on the back of this guy's head on a concrete floor, and pushes the guy's head across the concrete floor. And basically, you watch the skin peel off this man's face. Mm. Um, mm. And he then made another movie with Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson uh, called Dragged Across Concrete, Concrete yeah, I've heard about that which one is like as well. one of the most recent, like nihilistic depressing cop movies i've ever watched um at least in recent years um but bone tomahawk is always one of his that i haven't seen and i've heard great things about it so i, I do uh, i do want to give that one a go yeah. that was on your list i think as well your, your letterbox list so it's it's definitely uh it's definitely an experience i can't yeah. say it's one that i'm keen to rewatch anytime soon um but Kurt did Russell's you like great it? in it i did but it is like it's one of those where it put me through the blender so much that i came out of it kind of disoriented and wobbly <laughs> like a really good roller coaster that you don't know you want to yeah. go back on it's it, i mean that's kind of everything on I, I feel like this is the most serious and articulate i've ever come across 
not just on this podcast, possibly ever. Uh, well, <laughs> this is the Westerns getting the yeah, singing like into it. your brain right now. Yeah. So that's that's I'm... kind of everything that's on there, but I know I'm going to end up adding a bunch more and watching a bunch yeah. more. I'm curious to revisit this um, later in the year and to see where your Western journey has gone. Yeah, I thought this so would, I thought this would be a better way of doing it rather than just focusing on one of the movies you discussed because it's like a new it's a new genre discovery. Well, not a genre discovery, but it's it's your first it's 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 your your first step into a greater world. What's funny <laughs> is I was a bit not anxious about this episode, but when you said this idea, I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. But I was worried about the fact that I'd only seen like seven movies in this sort of little <laughs> challenge that I've set for myself. So I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna have nothing to say. And now I'm looking at the timer and we've been recording for an hour and I feel like I've been recording for like fifteen minutes. <laughs> Dude, honestly, it's I could to say that I, I thought I could keep going forever about westerns. Yeah. They, they, they are my bread and butter, and I know I sound like an asshole when I'm all there. Like people are telling me that westerns are boring, but they're boring. That's what they are. I don't, I don't I, think people are gonna think. I, that. I, I love. This I think genre people like to, to see so when much. people are passionate about stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you're fine there. Yeah, but, it, but it, you know, I'm. Yeah, it's it's I've just it's... seven. that are huge ones, and I'm like. I don't even feel like I have started because <laughs> there is there is so much more to that genre and that setting than I knew was about at all. And over the past few weeks, I have heard of like 50 movies that I never heard of before. <laughs> I just don't know how it's... I grew up watching like comedies and your traditional kind of... 80s 90s action movies so it was just always a it was always a genre that just passed me by i was never avoiding it mm-hmm. i was just never seeking it out yeah well this was kind of like war movies and westerns were like and action movies were like me and my dad's thing um yeah. so those were always this is this has been this has been this is patterson lineage right now this is like come down from 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 my granddad bill to um to dad david and now to me um, and it's just funny, and like you, it's it's you're my it's, surrogate Western dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just I I have so many happy memories with the genre, but it's also the one that I feel the most like I, I could dive into the weeds of these movies yeah. more than I could with any others, um, except maybe surveillance conspiracy thrillers from the seventies, <laughs> which are like also my my foundational thing. I I and, kind of yeah. guess did your Western kind of experience i don't know education whatever you want to call it did it start from movies that your dad would watch at like 3 p.m on a sunday on channel yes. 5 yes yes <laughs> yes exactly no it like and, and i, I say way I, I started with like the nine o'clock saturday night itv movies yeah so when i was young when i was young young i just he used to have them on and like there were a lot of bad westerns mate i'm not gonna lie they did I mean, crank a lot of them out um but I just ended up as I got older. I just got such an appreciation and fondness for them, um, and it was it was fun going back through them with dad. And like these are easily like all these you know these movies would have bored me like when I was a kid, but I was going back through with them and I was just totally and utterly engrossed. Um, and part of that is I think just the way that I got through it was like well not got through it but the way I got into it was like started with the spaghetti westerns, then kind of zigzagged my way back to the past. Um, which I've thoroughly enjoyed because now yeah. I can I can put on whatever like um, you know 
when I was a young teenager, I wouldn't have been really fussed about watching Winchester '73 starring Jimmy Stewart. But like you show that to me now, I'm like, this is this mm. is cinema. It's just all it's all really good, and I can't wait for you to to go back to some of those foundational ones because they're they're so they're such influential pe- like works. But yeah. they are just beautiful movies, and of their own. Right. Like, the searches is wonderful. It's like this Moby Moby Dick style story of like racism and the legacy it's, of. It's oh, brilliant. It's making me kind of enjoy it a little more because it's like I say, I like I enjoy speaking to people about the things they're passionate about, and even when they're things I'm not passionate about, I enjoy hearing about them and learning about them. I think sports is the only exception to that rule for me. <laughs> I do not give a shit if anyone talks to me about sports. Um, but even then, you know, I show occasional bit of interest. But movies-wise, especially, I love hearing people talk about what they're passionate about, and it makes me kind of more excited to watch them when I get that kind of passion from you about it, and, and it makes me more excited to watch certain movies, um, and it adds the fun to it. And then, you know, I, I there's good people on Twitter who are kind of I'm getting to interact with a little bit about these movies as well, and I'm, I feel like I've got like fucking miles to go. But I'm really excited to watch this. Savor, savor that journey. Savor I, oh, I will. It's beautiful. I will. I will. I've um, I've got a new Western watch coming up this week. Actually, bringing oh. the head of Alfredo Garcia, which is another Sam Peckinpah movie I haven't seen before, um, which I'm looking forward to. I think so that's, that's once, on my list. Once I go through some of these actors, I like. I'll start getting into a couple of directors more deeply. Like, yeah, Peckinpah that's definitely the way Ford to go, and, and people like that. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm going to see. I'm I'm going to see the Fablemans in a couple of days. Which yes. I believe has a cameo from David Lynch as John Ford. John Ford, yeah. No, yeah. I'm looking forward to watching that as well because, um, yeah, I'm lo- oh, man. The, the the searches like Ford did so many great movies, but yeah, the yeah. searches is just on a whole other level of beauty. The craft on that is is great. And one other thing, actually, if you get the chance to, I would recommend. And I say this to everyone: um, if you have Netflix, don't sleep on the Five Came Back documentary. Um, it's a documentary series that is narrated by like um, Meryl Streep, Guillermo del Toro has interviews with with all these different filmmakers and it's about um, Ford, Houston Billy Wilder um, and oh god, two, two of the filmmakers who were kind of you know involved in Hollywood before World War 2 and all of them in their own way con- like went contributed to the war effort and then it looks at their movies before the war and what the movies were like after the war and ford is a really interesting case to be in this one um particularly because john wayne who was an actor he obviously collaborated with a lot didn't go to war and there was a lot of friction and stuff from that but anyway i'm going off on a specific tangent there (laughs) five came back would definitely recommend watching it if you get a chance to if you're interested in westerns as well especially in the context with um houston and, and and ford who obviously did some really good stuff in that genre so yeah if you get a chance to i would definitely recommend watching it yeah, like it is one of the best documentaries i've seen um but yeah i think this is this 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 is a good place to end the the wheel of dad movies western ramble <laughs> <laughs> it was we went long longer than i thought yeah yeah i i can't wait to do a specific episode on one of these like i probably could just do it for, for a few dollars more with you at some point um but yeah like if there is if there is what i want you to do for when you get to a, for when you get further along in this list, if there's one that specifically jumps out at you, it's like I want to do this as an episode because okay. that would that would excite me, and <laughs> I'd be curious Noted. to know which one it is. Noted. Yeah, um, but yeah, this has been the Wheel of Dan Movies podcast. Thank you so much, Dan. Where can they find you 
in the social media sphere? Um, mainly on Twitter at dangreamer ninety two. I've got a thread of all the westerns I'm watching on there, and I mainly just tweet a lot about action movies. One of the things you'll see me tweeting a lot about now is I'm also along with westerns discovering my love for Indian action cinema, um, mm. which it also just has like all my favorite elements of um, of action movies in there. That is an industry that is better than anyone at making their lead actors look like the coolest man who has ever lived. Um, so <laughs> I recommend you seek some of them out, both both you, you, and, and the listeners. Um, and I'm on Letterboxd as well, which is just uh, Dan Greamer, G-R-I-M-A. Brill, brill. Um, remember, you can follow the Wheel of Dad Movies podcast at twitter.com forward slash Wheel of Dad Movies. We also have a Patreon, and I want to give a quick shout out to our patrons. Thank you, Josh Brown, Shaka, Thomas Smallgrew, and George Jackson. Remember, you can follow us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Wheel of Dad Movies. We have different tiers, different goodies. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Ewan Ruins Things, and of course, the podcast itself at Wheel of Dad Movies. Um, the next episode, me diving into some more Tom Clancy stuff with Claire Napier, which I'm very excited about. She is a comics editor and journalist. Uh, we're going to have a nice little chat about the Clancy movies, um, which uh, peak, peak dad cinema to me. I love those. Um, but yeah, this has been the Wheel of Dad Movies podcast. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.